Tigers Uncaged. Jesse and Lance talk Tigers and all things WHL with the voice of the Tigers, Tigers players, Tigers alumni, and insiders across the WHL. Here's your host, Jesse and Lance. Tigers Uncaged, the podcast all devoted to your medicine hat Tigers. My name is Lance. Jesse is being a dad, so uh, unable to be here. He sends his regards, as I'm sure everyone on his Twitter account would know. He does send his regards, right, Gino? You know, children are the future, but today belongs to us. Wow. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's quite the way to phrase it. Uh, Of course, the play-by-play voice for the medicine hat Tigers, Gino DiPaoli. Uh, in as per usual, later on in this episode, going to be chatting with goaltender coach Matt Wong. Get oh, a perspective nice. from Matty. Yeah, yeah. Get a nice perspective just on how the goaltending has gone for this team. Which obviously, if if you've been to any games recently, it's gone over very well. Uh, Evan May has come in and done a nice job with Becca Lanco, who is getting now a bit of reprieve every now and then, and he seems yes. he seems sharp. You know, like the last couple of games we've seen. Since his illness, he's coming back and he's looked really good. It's too bad because he ends up being the second best goalie on on the night when he's maybe the best just yeah. because of the end result for the Tigers. I looked at how good he was against Prince Albert. It wasn't for Tikon Chaika. Maybe Beckett Lanko's your first star. Yeah. Like it, it plain and simple. I think they both have given their their team an opportunity to win and at the end of the day, the basics of goaltending 101, which I assume Matt Wong will break down with numbers and mm-hmm. pie charts and spreadsheets, <laughs> just their job is not to win you a game. They have to give you a chance to win, and that's exactly what they've done. I am, I don't want to say it, but might be the strongest point of the Tigers game the last handful of games at yeah. least, probably since, probably since those games against Victoria at Vancouver at... You know, we had Prince Albert here with even against Red Deer and Brandon goaltending might have been king. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, they've looked good, and uh, the addition of MMA has really helped out uh, on just kind of stabilizing the tandem. And now uh, the the Tigers are able to to mix and match goalies, go with who's fresher, and and really have a nice balance of of two guys that it appears the team is pretty comfortable playing in front of. Well, and that's the thing you. You might see an Evan May Beckett Lanco split this weekend yep. against Moose Jaw, which I think is a very intriguing matchup. I love what I love the attitude of Evan May. I've totally enjoyed seeing him come to the rank. He's got a gigantic, goofy smile on his face. Just kid from Nanaimo. Hey, it's not nice here right now. He's from yeah, the beautiful right? coastline. He played in Everett. You're pretty blessed wherever you've played. That is true. And, you know, he's got a former teammate in Braden Bain, which is really always nice to have. Yeah. So a couple Islanders playing in Medicine Hat, where it's minus 17, where those temperatures I don't think existed for him a year ago. So No, I don't know that they would have. Nope, not Maybe, at all. May, no, not in Cowichan Valley. That's where no, it was last No, because that's still season. pretty nice in there. Yeah, I would think it was decent enough. I don't I, know I, my BC geography. I was going to say well. I don't have the the Cowichan Valley weather above me, but if I did, <laughs> I, I would go and take a look. Uh, but no, it, it's good to see that you know the Tigers are they're they're trending in the right direction for everything that's worth. Obviously, uh, to to some extent, at the end of the day, results are what matter the most, and mm-hmm. and that's kind of how things go. But uh, you also have to remember this is a developmental league, and that's something that we talked about lots last year. Was that this is a league where where players are kind of getting set and developing for. For futures, whether that be uh, in collegiate sports, overseas, American League, National Hockey League, like there's a bunch of different paths that these players can take, and and they're kind of all doing this together. This is now 
uh, year two with with a major nucleus of this group, and yeah. they, they seem to be trending in the right direction. They're, they're all these games are one goal games, and so when you look at it, it's like okay, a bounce here, a bounce there. This team could easily be four games above five hundred instead of four or five below. I, I I can't say that enough. And it's funny that we mentioned development. Was last year after January tenth development? Yeah, not really. Yeah, that's it right. was seeing what you had. Mm-hmm. That's not development. That's kind of taking a look, and they get a doing inventory, a, a sink, a sink and swim situa- situation. Yep. Those that swam are still here. That's that started the training camp yep. and made their way. Some made it, and now are gone. So it, you you nailed it on the head. Where the the progress is being made, it's just not quite enough. From I think just the skill and the amount of games played this group has for experience, it's just not quite there. And it kind of goes back to even to Beckett Lanko, uh, back at goaltending really quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's only played in 44 career WHL games. He doesn't yeah. crack that 100-game mark or the 90-game mark yet, like the opponents he's going to face this weekend. And you know, uh, uh, Connor Unger, I assume we're going to see at least once against Moose Jaw. And even that, they need the experience. Josh Van Mulligan... Uh, you know what? Still been a plus player, no points. I thought he had never been had a bad game yet. Unfortunately, against Prince Albert, wasn't his best. No. Nope. So that and that's still like double digit games played in the Western League. I think is kind of caught up to this team a little bit. Just the experience is there, but just not quite enough to get over the hump. And I think against Prince Albert, I think you you and I were both there. I think if you don't. Take that five on three with Bogdan's Hottis's late penalty, and after they kill the five on three portion it off, they get if they got past that, there's no doubt in my mind they win that game. There's yeah. zero doubt unless Tikon Shaika just does the Dominic Hashik at the '98 Nagano Olympics and stones him in a shootout. Which That's, is the very possible, but... That's the only way. That's the only way. Yeah, it's it's difficult when you see how third periods have gone as of late for this club I mean you look at you reference Vancouver and Victoria of course those are two third periods where the game gets away from you a little bit and you end up giving away leads granted you do pick up points in both of those games but you could have locked down two uh you look at now the most recent game against the Prince Albert Raiders where it's deadlocked you get the early lead but then 58 seconds later you're getting scored on and it's just one of those things where I always come back to this team has to learn different facets of the game over the course of this year to to really end up where they want to be ultimately next season and the year after, and that's as a championship cup contender team. That's that's where mm-hmm. they want to get to, and and collectively you have to learn how to how to play in the final ten minutes of a tight game or the final five, and and what it takes to to lock down games or what it takes to come back and, and who's going to step up on any given night. And the teams, it, by all accounts, it, it seems like. Their heads in the right space. They're they're playing the right way, and sometimes it's little things like when you go into a five on three. It's it starts with the wasted wise bot maybe trying to do a bit too much, and he takes that penalty, and it ends up leading to Bogdan's hot ass then trying to do too much to clear the net front. And it's it, it's hard to to criticize guys who are so blatantly trying to do everything they can to win a hockey game. Right? Mm-hmm. It, it's like your passion is there. You're driving. You're doing what you can. But you're also then sometimes you got to keep it in check. You don't want to cross that line. Well, it's so tough because we live in a sample side of a sample size of 24 hour increments. So what, what's in the news and what's important, what's not. And yep. I, I know for Tiger fans, they're probably not happy that oh we lost again. Mm-hmm. Well, only 1800. You really saw what actually happened on that ice. Mm-hmm. So I kind of that's kind of my counter argument to kind of you know give this this team a break in that aspect. I think there's still a super long long way to go. Yeah, the next five games going to be interesting. You're going to yeah. see 
a pair of games against Moose Jaw, which I think is going to be so cool and fun to watch. They got five NHL draft picks on their team. Um, probably one of the most exciting players, Braden Jaeger and then Jagger Furcus are two players that jump off the page. And next week you're going to have the Brandon Wheat Kings on a Wednesday. You beat them 5-1. They'll be a little fresher, I would think. Yeah. And then you go into weekend games against Prince Albert and Sask- well, Saskatoon and Prince Albert, which you've played them once already, so you have an idea what they're going to bring. And there will be no surprise to this team for the next few games coming up. It seems they've played again. They've only had that once with Lethbridge coming into this season and at this point. Right. So when we look at how things have gone as of recently for the Medicine Tigers, it seems like if you look at the the box score, and I think if you watch the games too, like there's been offense that has been driven and created, but uh, not finding the back of the net. Now, we didn't expect nine goals or 11 goals to be the common theme all season long, but... You also didn't think you're going to go and score one against PA, two against Lethbridge, one against Calgary, uh, two against Van, and so that's your last four right there. And you got a total of six goals over four games. It does it. Is it too simple to to maybe say that uh, you're starting to see an elevated importance on Caden Lindstrom and Tomas Mercik in this lineup, and and just how they are at such a young age already balancing the depth and scoring? Oh, man, I, I had to check their points today because I don't, I haven't checked in and thoroughly like staring in front of my television and watching the U-17s. It's right. pretty boring and langley to watch, I'm not going to lie. Like, not much of a vibe, nothing's bringing me there, but we're watching shifts of Caden Lindstrom. He's finally been put up to power play one for Team White. I especially, I, no, no stab at Tom, Tomas Mercik. He does have a goal and assist in this tournament. Mm-hmm. Caden Lindstrom's got two. Yeah. Two goals and two assists. It's funny because you look at the the stat leaders. You got a guy, you got an American, and then you've got a couple other guys from Sweden and Berkeley Catton, who was the number one pick a couple years ago in the prospect draft. He's near the top of points, but they miss Lindstrom a lot on draws. And just as we always kind of mention, Lance, that for those who are avid fans of us and listen to broadcasts and come to the games and do all of that. Lindstrom's like your option two or your option three on a power play or on a sequence, a set sequence in the offensive zone. Right. And he gets that, both of his goals, one-timer. Yeah. So what does that tell me coming down the pipe that when Brendan Lee's season is over, mm-hmm. who might be slotted in that Yeah, spot? you just kind of swing him right in and, and like, kind of fills the spot, right? Go ahead, take that and put up 25 for me, please. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's that's the thing. And speaking of the power play, you know, it was interesting watching uh, against the Raiders on, on Tuesday, and they're starting to have slight variations to that unit that involves Brendan Lee. Of course, he's always set up on his offside face-off circle and is letting go one-timers. And over the last few nights, or last few games, rather, we, we had started talking about how there there's maybe a need to shift how that looks because... Listen, these teams are very well scouted, and there's a lot of great video coaches who are relaying information to the the bench at any given time. And so oppositions are coming in, and when they see the power play hop over, they're like, all right, Brendan Lee's the guy. Let's take away the one-timer. And so they did a variation. They put him as kind of that bumper spot right in the middle of the ice, Mm -hmm. and and it opened things up for chances. And so you you like to see the adaptation that the team is making and the adjustments because – you're starting to get to a point in the year where everyone has a little bit of film on everyone else, and now is when counter-adjustments and in-game adjustments become so, so important. Well, and I loved... How about so-called power play number two, which had Reed Andreessen... Three defensemen. Drew Krebs was actually in the middle, and Pasha Botcherov, who I think ended up being quarterback when it was all said and done, you had had Andreessen on a wall... 
and Krabs was kind of in the middle. And who who were the? You had McKenna M- M- on the M- McKenna on his offside. and Maline, and Maline was in the net. It was yeah, Maline was front. doing some net front. You had Bame for a, a little bit on yes. the net front. Yeah, you, you had some variations on who that fifth was. But man, if you have Bame, who seems to redirect anything from like eight man, miles away good. and puts it man, in, so <laughs> I'll tell you, yeah, I loved it. I they they were quick. Yeah. They were so quick. Like Drew Krebs is not. Kale McCarr as a defenseman, he's not going to make that excellent move at the blue line and make you look silly, but he can skate, and he is very positionally sound, and you can put him anywhere on a power play spot. You mm-hmm. really can because you can trust his skating. You can trust his defense. To you know, He's not going to make that pivotal mistake in the offensive zone. He may cough the puck up, but he's going to get it out of the way, and mm-hmm. like any good defenseman, they'll just get rid of it. So right. Right. <laughs> that's kind of how I see it. The Tigers finally went off the schneid on the – on the power play, scored their first goal on the power play in three games in that game against Prince Albert. They'll need it against a Moose Jaw team, really good at special teams and dangerous and got good goaltending, whether it's Connor Unger or Jackson Unger, not yeah. brothers. No, the no, the one's an E, one's an A. Exactly. Yeah. And also didn't – I was looking because they're both Calgary kids. I was like, there's no relation. I don't see anything. Nope. So that just it's just a coincidence that Unger and Unger, brothers at law <laughs> yeah, in, right? in uh, Moose Jaw, are, are doing their thing. And Moose Jaw has a lot to prove this year. They're in an East division that has so much talent, so much ability. And, and Winnipeg, of course, just made Red Deer look dumb for two games right? and come out with a pair of wins and – so it's not going to be easy, and they they're going to have to go through that monster that's the Winnipeg Ice and Saskatoon, which just seem to have fallen off right after they beat every team that beats the Tigers. Sort of falls off after. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what that means. It would be nice if they started falling off against Medicine Hat, but wouldn't be the worst happened. thing. Wouldn't, wouldn't be, be the worst thing ever. Uh, we we talk about special teams. The penalty kill, I think, has been uh, way better than the seventy eight percent that they're running at or right around it. Uh, home PK is over 80 now. Yeah. So that's solid. Would you like it to, you want to be in that 85 to 90 spot. Obviously right. you're not because it's the Western league. There's good teams that score. It's crazy how I, I go from transitioning leagues where, you know, the penalty kill is perfect. I'm like, well, it's because all the power plays aren't very good either. So right. like, even if they're the top power play, you get chances and just the lack of clean sheets at the start of the season ends a team's penalty killing, which it's not. And it doesn't really tell the story of their penalty kills. Yeah. yeah. If you look over the last little while, they've been, one of the best teams, I would say, in, in killing penalties across the league. And you, you, just special teams as a whole, like, you, you kind of go through different leagues and everyone will, will evaluate it different. But the one thing that, uh, that I heard once, and I can never remember where it was from, but uh, it, it was combining the two and, and like, where your special teams percentage total-wise is at is, is kind of an indication on how games are going in your favor. And so the, 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 the Tigers, 100 mark or whatever yeah, it's called. Yeah, yeah. So the Tigers are sitting around 103 combined. They have a 78.8 penalty kill. Power plays at 23.7. Uh, so you're sitting around 103%. Like, ideally, a, a strong team in the Western League, I would think if you can get to 110, if you can go 112 combined on those two percentages, you're, you're, you're going to be winning more hockey games than you're losing. And by all accounts, it seems like it's, it's really an attainable spot for the Tigers to get to on both ends of special teams. What like maybe not this year, as you mentioned, it was a tough start on the penalty kill, but into next season, like that, that's yeah. an attainable goal. One ten, one twelve. I I totally agree with that, and it doesn't. I I think the penalty kill has been so good at home, like mm. it, it just they're flying too close to the sun. We got our here's a my Icarus. Reference. Icarus, yeah, Icarus has come back in this. I love it, and I don't know why. I will stop. I promise, <laughs> but. 
they took what at the end of the day that was the fourth penalty. Like it would have been the fourth penalty that got scored on on that five on three. So you've only taken three penalties. You've killed off all three. It's just that last one that's Sankia. So subtract one from their total, and they're probably again winning hockey games. They end up be PA was what th- uh, one for four on the power play. Mm-hmm. So and they scored that goal with seven seconds left on the power play. So I wish there was a stat for in the last ten seconds of the power play because yeah. You're kind of near the like you you darn near did it, <laughs> but you know it's only that only happens in uh, it's close enough is only good in horseshoes and what's the other hand reference? grenades? Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Horseshoes and Happy to grenades. be here. Um, and it, it, is this is this a more accurate reflection if I if I put the pound to kill in this way because shorthanded goals the Tigers have had a handful of them three so far this season. If you take those shorthanded goals. And you kind of subtract them from the power play goals they've given up because it kind of works as somewhat of an interact and a balance. You, you, you adjust the numbers a little bit, and suddenly the Tigers have, are 66 for 80 on killing penalties, and they're at 82%, 82.5%. You would be is happy that a more, with that. Is that a more accurate reflection? or is Because obviously, like if you're scoring shorthanded, you're, you're clearly, at the very least, negating the power play against mm-hmm. if they score. So... There, there is there something to be looked at? Do you know? Do you know, or do you think if teams are maybe adjusting internally when shorthanded goals four are scored? And I would more so just kind of see what power play goals are you giving up in the third period? Yeah, second period that's your fault. Like you have a chance if you're this team, like as we've mentioned before, down by a shot, up by a shot, or tied. That's never been doubled. It's only been double digits. What? Handful of times, like once. Yeah, I'd have to. I had once to. Twice, I had to really yeah. think about that. I'm pretty Hasn't sure been just often. Once. Yeah, and I go back to the Seattle game. They got scored on shorthand, but they scored on the power play. But same thing. You were down by a shot once again, mm-hmm. and it doesn't really. It's so hard to kind of look from a distance, but it just. This is probably the best fifty-five minute team in the Western Hockey League. Truly, one Truly. of the best. <laughs> it sounds awful to say because. I loved how I talked to, again, bringing up Peter Lubardius on a broadcast. Mm-hmm. You're never going to get the 60 minutes. It's just that lull that, what, and I don't want to say lull. I hate using that word because coaches don't like that. That means that you haven't been trying for a certain amount of time. They, they, you have that sort of gap where it's just sank them more than anybody else in the league. Yeah. If, I, if I could find the lull goals or something like that. I, I mean, the pendulum swings. Yes. Like that, that's what it is. And, and the I pendulum think... has got a big hammer or axe on the side of the Tigers mm-hmm. right now. That's just, that's just how it's been. And and Lou made a good point on that broadcast from Calgary saying, you know, as the pendulum moves, it's not so much how much you're you're taking on, but just how much water is getting in your boat. Right, You don't want to take on a lot of water and you want to give out a bunch when the pendulum's the other way. And the Tigers, just for whatever way, shape, or form, haven't really seemed to be able to keep the water out of their boat in those late spots in the third period. And, and I think we're kind of getting to a spot now where you look, like I always liked looking at goal differential, and I think it's a, it's a decent reflection once you start building up the season as to how things are going for this team. And I mean, I, I was going to say earlier this year, you throw out the, the 11-3 drubbing in the States that the Tigers handed out. You t- throw out the 9-1, and they're still just a single-digit minus yeah. goal differential team. But now we're getting into 16 games into the season. You can start taking those big wins with some of these bigger losses. They've had a couple three-goal losses, a four-goal loss against Calgary. Yeah. And so the team evens out, and they're at, they're at zero for goal differential. They're 53 goals for, 53, or 57 goals for. 57 goals against, you're 16 games through the year, and, and you somehow find yourself 
what four games under 500, and that's what we talk about being one shot away. Exactly. And there, it sounds crazy. Lethbridge beat Prince Albert in a snoozer two to one last night. By the time this is, podcast was recorded, mm. is you're still in it yeah, in the yeah. central. Yeah. Maybe let's just. I'll take away Red Deer. Obviously, they'll, they'll run away with the central. Spoiler alert! I'm not gonna. Tell I don't you. know. The, the wheels are falling, falling off. They've lost two. <laughs> just They've got, lost two in a row. Just got dusted. Look out! <laughs> just got dusted. In Everyone Winnipeg. panic. And Calgary maybe is starting to just how deep that team was on defense. I was floored how good they were. Yep. And surprisingly good they were. So maybe from three to six. Well, let's go three to five. Even though. Edmonton's kind of sticking around. Like, mm-hmm. You don't haven't pu- you haven't pulled away from Edmonton yet. They're nope. still well. They're what six points, five. Yeah, points they're six back. points. But I mean, they're two fourteen and one for what it's worth. That's fair. So everybody needs to remember that. But you're not far away from it. Like Lethbridge and Swift Current are going to be tough outs. Like Lethbridge hasn't gone away, but I can. They haven't gone out west yet. They haven't gone the U.S. trip yet. So yeah. I'm curious what entails there. Like. And Calgary's starting it this weekend. They start. They're in. C- they start in Seattle of all places, so they get to play their former teammate. Traded to the Edmonton Oil Kings. Now, oh, we get them again. Yeah, we right. Pro Cup again. So, and they're gonna at least feel good about their game. I believe they won five in a row heading mm-hmm. south. So the, the Hitmen are feeling good. But to your point about where the standings are going to shake out, and it's going to be an interesting conversation. It, like that's why we're already bringing it up now because it's one of those we things that to. it's it's so wide open this year. After the top spot, like Red Deer, I mean, they're already 11 points ahead of the Lethbridge Hurricanes for a top spot in the Central, and there's really no signs of them coming down. In fact, there's signs that they're going to improve when they start getting some more health back into their when lineup. Ben King comes back. Ben King, I mean, what uh, the goaltender there. Unger. Um, oh, sorry. Um, not Unger. Sorry. Unger got traded. No, Unger Chase got Coward. Chase Coward. When he comes back as well, that's another guy that's going to be implemented. Now, that's no slight to the two rookie goalies they've had. They've been absolutely unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I, I think general manager Brent Sutter was even caught off guard. In He had a conversation with John Keane, and Sutter was saying, yeah, they, our goalies didn't look all that good in training camp, but they, they showed up when the, when the season started, and they've uh, rattled off, I think, at the time it was 11 or 12. So, <laughs> so you look at the Rebs kind of taking that top spot. But it, and, and this isn't necessarily a bias. This is more just observation of, of the division's kind of scope as a whole. I think the Broncos – are going to continue coming up, and they seem like they're just the second-best team in this division. They should be. They they should be. I, I think they're going to be. It's just a matter of time. Calgary Hitmen seem like they're legit. They have Braden Peters, 20-year-old goaltender, who's been their rock this season, probably is going to continue that way if they have to. They're really excited about Ethan Buenaventura. But after that, I mean, I, I think the Tigers are... I mean, they haven't seen them yet, but I, I'm willing to, to hedge my money that the Tigers are a better hockey team by the end of the year than, than the Edmonton Oil Kings. I hope so. I'm willing to say, and though the points say differently, the Tigers are a better hockey club than the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Yes. And it's it's not the rivalry part of it. That's It's just when I look at the, how these two teams are constructed and, and where things are going, the the Hurricanes, what they do well is is they try and shut things down in the net front area. They, they've gotten great goaltending from, from Harrison Menigan this season. Jared Picklick has bounced back well since how his season opened. Mm-hmm. But... They just they, they don't score at a rate that I think they might run into because you when you talk about Calgary or Swift or Red Deer in this division, they all play defense better than Lethbridge does. I and they skate faster. No, what does Lethbridge have though that maybe is the flaw that the Tigers maybe don't have right now? 
Who drives their bus? Jet Jones. They're 20-year-olds. Yeah. Their 20-year-olds have just kind of got, and Jet Jones is one of the, I think, has quietly become one of the best 20-year-olds in this league. Well, you talk about heartbeats, right? Oh. Like, a heartbeat for a team, that's Jet. I mean, he he drives the bus. You notice him every shift. Who carried them in that game yep. in, when they squeaked one out against Mass Out? It was Jet Jones. Mm-hmm. It was Tyson LeVenger. And the thing is, Alex Sacker hasn't really gotten going yet. No. And he's another one of those guys in the room is by far one of the most vocal and he'll he'll show the way for the younger younger group. But like points wise, he hasn't really gotten going yet. No, I that's that's what comes back to my point. You are we're so close, but yet so far away Mm -hmm. from this Tiger team making noise. And it's so hard. I know as a fit, you don't want to put your money towards something like that. that, Mm. uh, If you know they're going to lose or you know the outcome already, you're not going. Right. You're not going to play that hand of blackjack if you know you're going to lose, right? So True. Yep. right now it's just we're in an area of unknown for this Tiger team, but they know what they need to do, and it's still just it, it's it's rough because I feel like if we pressed record on our last like three or four pregame shows that you and I have done, mm. they're pretty much the same. Just take out the name of the team that they're going to be playing yep. and replace the coaches. It's yep. exactly the same. Very similar. There's nothing. Too far away, and I looked at that conversation with Joe post game where he was still like, they were so upbeat, positive, and mm-hmm. had all they could have just said we didn't play well tonight. And no, it's just why would you say that? You can't really say that. And that's the thing, like, there's there's we'll a know when they don't play well. Yeah, uh, that, true. And there's a difference between somebody who says something just for the sake of saying it, but the the difference is when they actually believe it. And I've heard in Joe Frazier's voice a handful of times this season, heard in your conversations with head coach Willie Desjardins, that there is true belief that they are going to make playoffs this season, mm-hmm. that they are going to string wins together. And really, like you look at this early part in the year, and, and for, for Tiger fans who are saying, okay, well, yeah, they're at the bottom of the central right now again. They're, they're not trending in the right direction. They've only won two of their last ten. I get it. Um, but you mentioned they've gone through some tough trips already that other teams haven't, uh, and, and the Tigers, they they seem to have this this vibe about them where they know that they're better than quite a few teams in this league. Like they genuinely believe it, and when you have that belief, it's like it's just a matter of of time till. Like I wouldn't be surprised if by this time next month we talk about this team coming off of a five six six game winning streak. That'd be swell. It's just I'd, as I'd likely. Excited. It's honestly just as likely as losing six in a row and having points in two of those six games. It's funny because Willie Desjardins talked about that in our in mm-hmm. our pregame in our in the best conversation I ever had with him, and just he, he started a season. They won nine to ten, and then they lost nine of their next ten. So this is again nothing new nope. to a guy who's approaching four hundred wins in a tiger behind the Tigers bench. So what's to say that they can't do that again? They're still very capable of doing it. Yeah, we're kind of doing the glass half full approach. Yeah, we're the voices of this team. But I think I, I was hired because I do speak my mind mm-hmm. to do this job. And this team is not terrible. They they're no. not they're not they're not not putting their best effort forward every night. Like, no, and and some players might be, but that's about it. Like it right. may not be their day. Yeah, and that's that's gonna happen. I mean, we we, we mentioned it. There's there's guys who are having off nights, and, and what the Tigers do have is. A fair amount of depth when everyone's there and rolling that they're able to to kind of get into an offense and they can play in their own zone. Like, there's a lot to like with this Tigers club, and uh, 
it's funny you mentioned just uh, sometimes about drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Or, or saying, you know what, like, yeah, we work for the team, but this is actually how it's going. And, and it, it's it's true. Like, this team really is in a good spot. And that's what's, uh, that's what's exciting to see. Because yeah. for as much as we talk about standings, too, it, it's one of those things, like, they're kind of an aberration at this point in time. Like, mm-hmm. they're not exactly the, uh, the end-all, be-all when you're only a sixth of the way through the season, a quarter or a fifth of the way into the season. Uh, there's still a lot of a, a lot, lot of, of road to still eat there. Yeah, there's a lot left on the slice, so to speak. So, uh, <laughs> it, 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 there, there's just a lot of signs that point to this team running wins together. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you leave at the very least with a split against the Warriors. That, that's that's not going to shock me. That would be perfect. Like, it I, sounds crazy to think, but that would probably be perfect. But to me, it's not. Like, it's just it's not crazy. Like, yeah, I, I think no. they. They have the the top four defensemen. They have, you know, shut down guys that can that can do work against some of their higher skill guys like like Ferkus and, and Jaeger and I mean Denta Matechuk's a bit of a Swiss Army knife from the blue line and that they have the pieces that can combat that a bit and then the, the Tigers when they're at their best and they're four checking like crazy. I mean you're gonna see you're gonna see the difference, I think, to uh Friday, I guess tomorrow from when we're recording. Uh, you're going to see the difference tomorrow between those defensemen who are being looked at for the Warriors as draft prospects and those who have signed, like Max Warner, but Denton Matejchuk being in the draft class, and the difference between those guys and the ones that we see sometimes that aren't being considered, and it's how they work under pressure. When Braden Bame's coming down on you, and you or you have Hunter St. Martin in on a four-check, Oasis Weisblatt, those guys aren't faced. Like no, They can still move the puck. It's great because against drafted defensemen, in the and first first rounders, yeah. this Tiger team has not backed down from them. No, and Kevin, I, I know that I'm, I'm going to beat this one like a Wiseblatt Korchinski. Wiseblatt Korchinski. Uh-huh. Korchinski did some great things, but guess what? He also made mistakes against the Tigers. Yep. Those other players that are drafted, whether it's going to be Matei Chuck this weekend, they're going to make a mistake in a game. Yep. It's it's human nature. You can't. There's no such thing as a perfect game from anybody. Yeah. There isn't. And you're going to get that opportunity. I think it's going to be fun to watch Dent Matejchuk. I'm really looking forward to that one because uh, finally, just that's just I'm just still blessed that I can look over and every time I make my, my roster sheet, I always grab the logo of the team they're drafted by. I, I pulled five logos. Mm-hmm. I was pretty excited about that. Yeah. Technically four because two are drafted by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Right. So right. found that out firsthand. But again... No, t- no defense core has like they shut them down. Actually, there's one. There's one team that's done that. That mm-hmm. was the Calgary Hitmen. Yep. That defense core was that's the best. Red Deer to an extent, I guess. Yeah. Red but, Deer to an extent, they kept a lot outside, but they were on them early. Yeah, they were. And then they took them 40 minutes to shut them down. Yeah. So it wasn't like a complete from minute one to 60 where a defense core had their way with the Tigers forwards. The Tigers forwards just need more experience. Uh, Maybe your depth, that like you have a first line, but maybe they're not truly a first line yet in this league. Yeah, they're getting bit. there. Not but there. They're so close, yep. but yet it seems so far. And uh, just kind of to, to bookend this part, and then we'll get into the conversation with Matt Wong on the other side. Um, we we talk about how this team traditionally a third period team, but you look across their three periods a season, and the one period that they have a negative goal differential, the one that they're struggling in the most, is that third. Yep. Minus six in the third period, and you look at the first, they're getting off to good starts. They're 21 goals in the first period. They're actually scoring as much in the first as they are in the third, but they're taking on a lot of water. They've given up 27 the goals in the third period. The boats are starting to sink at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. and so 
I mean, when you look and nearly half of the goals you're giving up are in the third stanza alone, that's that's tough. Yeah. Well, start, I guess, learn to trap. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Yeah, well, you're let's not take, wrong. Let's take the 2-1. Let's trap. Let's go. Let's go New Jersey Devils, 1990s. Yeah, yeah. Exciting hockey. Whoa. Yeah, the Prudential <laughs> Center was rocking those days, oh, too. Oh, baby. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Andrew Basha leading the team, 14 points on 16 games. Uh, Bogdan's hot ass up to 12 now. Lee and uh, Wiseblad at 11. Botcherov, the last one in double digits. He's up at 10 with four goals, might I add. He's uh, scoring at a nice rate, but... See how things go. Uh, Gino, just any thoughts before uh, before we get to Maddie? Just thoughts on this weekend coming up for uh, for the Tigers and Warriors overall? Man, it's it's hard to kind of digest. I'm just looking forward to how this team is still responding, how their attitude is if something happens again. Like, does that stick? I feel like it has. You could kind of feel it at practice yesterday. I always tell when I walk into the office where I go out and I hear, like, the sticks and the pucks going, and then that's how I, okay, it's time for me to get out and watch some practice for about 10, 15 minutes. And, you know, still upbeat, mm-hmm. you know, chipper. No one's, like, coming to the rink depressed or anything like that because I've kind of – I probably assume that that happened a lot near the end of last season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just trying to get through and get to the get to the spring so you can get out of there. I don't think that's the case here. Everybody's so happy to be at the rink still. Like, that, there are junior hockey players. They realize that. And I look at – because coming from where I came from – you're, if you get to a good place, you need to be happy where you're at because you're easily could be dealt and in that league, not saying mm-hmm. here, of course. I think a lot of players don't want to leave Madison Hat because they don't know where they're going to end up, mm-hmm. right? Like, sorry, don't really want to go to don't want to go to Swift Current that badly as and much how good they are. There's something to be said for what this place brings, what the what the organization kind of means, but also what this nucleus has gone through last year together, uh, and, and there's something to be said for. When you do that and you kind of walk through those those trials and tribulations, so to speak, with you know half of that room, if not more, all doing it at the same time, there's something where you want to then flip the script and, and close out on a positive fashion together again. So uh, Tigers and Warriors going to get set for a home-and-home home this weekend. Friday will be a 6.30 pregame show on Wild 94.5. Gina will have it for you. I'll be there, I think. Uh, I don't have plans to not be there, but... I mean, Please be there. Well, I enjoy your company. I mean, I, tomorrow's never given. We just have to assume today. That was we dark, only have sad. is right now. Yeah, yeah, right. All we have is today is for us. The no, future is for the kids. No, the children are the future. No, that's today it. belongs to yeah, us. Yeah, you know, I'll get the saying down. Six <laughs> uh, thirty pregame show on Wild ninety four five, and then Saturday night six forty five pregame show. Gino, I'll have it for you from Moose Jaw. On the other side, goaltender coach Matty Wong. More hockey talk on the way with Tigers Uncaged. <laughs> Wild Disconnect might be one of my favorite games. In Medicine Hat Brewing Company, this might be one of my favorite prizes. There's just something so satisfying about hanging up on people. How do we ever do that normally? You just click the button, poof, gone forever through the floor. <laughs> we love the wild one. It's the Wild Disconnect with Wild 94.5 and Medicine Hat Brewing Company. Weekday mornings, Jesse and I get three callers on the line for a trivia showdown. Get it right. You move on. Get it wrong. Bye. Disconnected. Be the last one on the line and you win $20 to Medicine Hat Brewing Company. That's a win, 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 win. The Wild Disconnect. I love it. Weekday mornings at 840. Wild 94.5 Medicine Hat New Country.
It's time to spin the wheel. You never know what game you'll play during Jesse and Lance's wild wheel of games. Weekday mornings at 710, they'll spin, they'll the, spin wheel the wheel and determine what you're playing. It could be face mask singer, bidding capitals, match game, wild card, or smarter than a fifth grader. Oh, this is where they play the game. No matter what game you play, you have a chance to win $20 at Cowtown Kids Toy and Candy in Maple Creek. This is going to be fun. That's the most fun I've had all week. Jesse and Lance's Wild Wheel of Game. Powered by Cowtown Kids Toy and Candy. On Wild 94.5, Medicine Hat's new country. The talk of Tigertown. Great moments are born from great opportunity. Tigers Uncaged with Jesse and Lance. Welcome back to Tigers Uncaged. Hopefully you're enjoying this. And if you do, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. We're on basically every platform ever. And uh, so happy to be joined. We always get to check in with this fella every now and then. Gives us some great insight as to what's going on inside the mask, so to speak. It's goalie coach Matt Wong. Matty, welcome back. How are you, brother? Uh, I'm doing good, my friend. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. I, I couldn't really pick a worse day to, to grab you, truthfully. on the uh, We're recording on the heels of the loss against the Prince Albert Raiders. Uh, uh, so so let's just get right into the, the goalie end of things and uh, the two young men that you're, you know, helping bring along in Beckett Lanco and Evan May. And, you know, the, the results haven't necessarily been there from a team perspective and you don't want to get too individualized, but you've, you've got to be happy with what you've seen from your goaltenders over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think as a whole, through the first 15 games of the year, both of the guys have been have been really solid and they've been really good. I think there's always ebbs and flows and ups and downs throughout the course of a long season, but through the first 15 games early in the season, I think the goalies have been good. What did you make of uh, when Evan May showed up? I'm sure you've been asked that a bunch of times because obviously there wasn't a lot uh, known about him coming from Everett Silvertips, of course, playing Junior A in BC uh, the year before last. And so no one really has much of a book on on Evan, but what you've seen, just how he is as a person and and his his, work ethic, all the stuff that, that you see day in and day out at practice. Well, he showed up with green equipment, so it, it doesn't clash very good with <laughs> it doesn't yeah, clash very good one. with orange and black. So, that's tough. Uh, that would be the first one. Um, but no, he's been a good pickup. Just when we went through the process of, of finding a goaltender, Bobby liked him, I liked him, and then the general manager has to bring it home and make the deal to get him here. So it's an all hands on deck kind of uh, acquisition. He's been rock solid in his three games. He's looked calm. He's instilled a lot of confidence in the group. He's done everything that we hoped he would do. I think he's an example of just somebody needing a chance. He he wasn't offered that opportunity in Everett, but he's certainly taken advantage of it now, and our team is, is the team that ends up benefiting from it. And you talk about you know what you saw and what uh, Director of Player Personnel Bobby Fox saw. And so so what was that? Like, what did you see in Evan May's game that made you think, you know what, we can give him an opportunity and a platform to, to shine and, and really show off what he can do? He's got good height. I think he's around that six one, six two range. He's mm-hmm. clean. He's crisp. He does have that calm presence in the net. Uh, he he played on a weak team in, in Couch and Valley last year, so I don't think that is, that's a fair assessment of him. He looked good in the preseason games uh, that he did have with Everett. Uh, thought he would be a good fit here, and, and it turns out we're, we're happy it's working out for him, and, and we're happy it's working out for us. And I, I think in some way, shape, or form, this maybe is working out for Beckett Lanco as well. Now, I'm no expert. I'm never going to profess to be, but I like to try and, 
and, and you know, on, on our vantage point, and whether, whether I'm doing color with Gino DePaoli or or just uh, from an observer's point of view, trying and kind of get a little bit deeper past just the surface as to what's going on in the room with the team. And, and I really think that we've seen Beckett Lanco rise to another level with Evan May's arrival, and maybe that's subconsciously knowing that you have a guy to push you. Maybe it's just picking up on a few things. Just what have you seen in, in Beckett's game with the addition of, of Evan May and how the two of them are, are working together? I think in the first 10 games, I, I think Beckett did a great job in the first 10 games. No easy task to play 10 games in a row no. to start the year, especially on the U.S. road trip, three undefeated teams. Uh, I, I think he did a good job, but obviously bringing in Evan provides that internal competition that I think you're always after, no matter whether it's a defenseman forward, goalies, uh, the two kids get along good. They're going to push themselves. Uh, he's competitive, so naturally I think you're going to see him elevate his game to the level that you're you're talking about. Um, I think I think Bexy's been excellent. I think his three of his last four games have been really, really good. Yeah. Thought he was great last night. Thought he deserved a better fate in the game. But, uh, you know, as goalies, we, we talk about not chasing end results. And this is same whether on teams that have been really successful or teams that have been uh, have gone through some struggles. I think if you start chasing the stats and the end results and, and that stuff, I think you start to see some guessing. You start to see some cheating. You start to see some of the bad goals uh, go in. So I think for us as goalies, just really making sure that uh, we're playing properly, we're fixated on process and trying to give the team a chance to win every night. Also, are you doing okay? I'm hearing beeping in the back. Are you good? I'm I'm good. I'm not sure why we got the beeping going on. I'm okay. on my blue. I'm on my Bluetooth. Oh, that might have been what it was. It was kind of like looping back, and I thought that you were in the train track somewhere. I started getting worried for you, brother. Oh no, but, I'm good. <laughs> okay, as, as long as you're okay. I mean, our our health and safety is always priority. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm aces. Okay, I love that. Uh, but but I. Yeah, I've always said like you know the the goalie dynamic and tandems are always so interesting to me because. You, you do want the net and you want to earn the net, but you also know that you want to push your your your, your tandem mate, your your goalie partner, into being better as well because you're both going to see the benefits out of it. And it's just like, can, can you kind of, for people who maybe don't understand just the dynamics of, of a tandem and, and working with someone directly with, with two people in only one position to play each and every night, like, like how those dynamics work and... and how you know a healthy goalie room really looks? That's a really good question. Um, I think at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. So, I've I've been very, very, very lucky in the sense that I've never had tandems that don't get along. Right. Uh, always have had really good kids that have have had that team first concept and the team first buy-in. Uh, so I've never actually experienced two goalies that hate each other and don't get along. So I, th- I think they, I think no matter who's in, our team has a good chance to win. No matter who's in, the other one is going to be supportive of the other. They're both great kids. They're both great people. Um, I think that's where it starts. You want, you want good kids, good people. Um, that's, I think that's kind of where that all will start. Yeah, which is, which is making sense. But, I mean, it's, it's noticeable to, to, to me at least seeing the, the way that you know, Lanco and May are, are going right now and, and how they really are both giving this team a chance to win. And, and you got to think for, 
for Beckett, that break was nice because yes, as a goalie, you want to play every single night, but uh, <laughs> but whether you whether you realize it or not, you probably need a night off here or there. So uh, to have someone that can come in and give him a spell is nice. And and I've noticed since he came back from a little bit of time sick, it, it seems like his like he he came back quite refreshed. His, his movement is solid, and he's maybe a little bit quieter. Are you seeing the same thing? Yeah, I think sometimes it's not a bad thing to to take a back seat for a game or two and just kind of reset, get yourself back to neutral, and then you can approach your next game with a fresh with a fresh slate and a fresh state of mind. So I think once in a while that's not a bad thing at all. When you look at the the, the upcoming schedule now for this team and, and considering you know the Mushaw Warriors come up uh, on a home and home this weekend. Yeah, you're going to start playing uh, a few more in-division games, right? You, you kind of look down the schedule and you work through the East and then you're back into the Edmontons, Red Deers, Calgary's of the world. Uh, still haven't even seen Swift Current yet. So so th- there's still a lot that's that's going to be happening and trending in the right direction. It just feels like it's so important. This club, Matt, for, for all intents and purposes, though the results haven't shown it over the last six, this club seems to be trending in the right direction. I think so. I think it's just important that the group doesn't get frustrated. We keep sticking to the process, sticking to the plan. You know, in a lot of the games, though, it's the great thing about the league, every game is, is close, going to overtime, one goal. Someone's pulling the goalie at the end of the game. We're a shot, a bounce, a save away from, from winning some of these games. So from a, from a goaltending standpoint, we just have to try to find a way to make one more save. Yeah, yeah, isn't that true? Um, talking with goaltender coach Matt Wong for the Medicine Hat Tigers, but you also do so much work within the community, and I, I know a lot of people are interested in both Ethan McCallum and Jordan Switzer, who we saw at training camp to begin this season. Uh, how, how are McCallum and Switzer looking so far in the early part of their seasons, Matty? Good. Everything is good. I think we've got a good pipeline coming up. Of young goalies. Zahara's playing really say, well. Zahara, I, I, I accidentally omitted. Zahara should be in that mix as well. <laughs> yeah, Zach's playing really, really well right now. Um, you know, McCollum was a high pick, a second round. Uh, I think he has all the tools, all the makings to be a very, very, very good goalie in this league. And then in the, in the draft in the spring, we select Switzer in the sixth round, which I think, which I think was a steal, and, and we all think that was a steal. So I know when I got the job four years ago, we had Mads, we had Bjorks, and Beckett had just recently been listed, uh, but the cupboards were pretty bare, and it does take some time to restock and rebuild that, but I do think we've done a good job of, of restocking the cupboards for the very near future. Yeah, and you're in, like, you've got to be all over the place. I mean, you're you're doing stuff with academies. You're in rinks all the time. Just Just what you're seeing from... You know, just maybe the the hockey community in general in this area since uh, like since the Southern Alberta Hockey Academy kind of came through. Like, what are you seeing just in terms of overall skill set with uh, the different age groups as they come up now with another established hockey club uh, in in the city? I think the game itself is in a really good place. The game has never been faster. The players have never been more skilled than they are today. Uh, the training that the kids receive off the ice, they're so big, so strong, so athletic. Um, I, I think the game that way is in a really good, is in a really good place. Um, the one part where, where I'll sound off a little bit um, that I really don't like the direction the game is going. 
his numbers, it's the numbers and the analytics, and, and I think some of that stuff that gets overblown. You know, I think if numbers, I'll use this, if numbers were all that mattered, uh, Bjorklund would not have signed a pro contract last year. Right. I think, I think the analytics nerds wouldn't like that, and they wouldn't understand any of that because that's so, that's so over their head, and it goes against everything they're trying to sell and believe. Um, but sensible hockey people can, can see it for what it really is. Numbers in a computer don't reveal intangibles that only hockey people understand. Uh, numbers in the computer don't reveal the competitiveness of the athlete, the competitiveness and the drive that makes the game great. The numbers in the computer don't reveal the size of the athlete's heart. Yeah. So um, there's there's lots of that that, that I don't like. Um, you know, my eyes see just fine. I don't need someone sitting behind a computer to tell me how my goalie plays. <laughs> right, yeah, well, that, that's fair. In, in a lot of ways, the game is in a great place. I, I wish the game wasn't going so far that other way with the numbers than the analytics. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I feel that. And don't get me wrong, like, like truthfully, I am... I've always been personally like a data-driven guy. I would be more of that nerdish type, but I'll be the first to admit it. I'll be the first to admit that's that's just my personality. That's how I am. I like I like data, but it's it's no different than what I do for work, uh, on, like on the country radio side of things. When when we're looking at data, like it, it's a tool, and and so often it feels like. Uh, you know, different industries and in, in really country music and hockey seem to be similar in the sense. It feels like we're really trying to drive down this analytical road and this data-driven road, and and at the end of the day, it has to just be a tool. There and there's going to be some stuff within the the numbers and the analytics for not only goaltenders but teams and and power plays and and you know play designs. You could break all of this down analytically, and there's going to be some stuff that is pertinent and useful, and some stuff that's completely useless. And to just only go with the the hard data, I mean, if that was the case, we would just simulate every game on a computer and that would be how it played out, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I I feel you. Like, I I think there's a a good spot for it, but at the same time, like, we don't need to just hammer away on on the the analytics. There's an eye test to these things. And, And like you mentioned, there's guys that are out there that, they they have intangibles that you can't really put a finger on. I actually think there's a lot of that with this Tigers hockey club right now. Like I, I mean, you can go with the simple statistics and look at the record and say, well, oh, you know, the team's not playing all that well. And I I strongly believe it couldn't be further from the truth. Really, that this team could be four or five games above 500, just as easy as your four or five games below it. Yeah, ab- absolutely, absolutely. Um, I know the belief in the room is strong. Uh, the coaches, coaching staff, we believe in this group. Um, we've got a good, good group of kids, good leadership group. So, you know, it's, I know it sounds cliche, but it's not how you, you, you don't need to be the best team on day one. You need to try to be the best team on the last day. hundred percent. That is so true, brother. Uh, just a, just a couple more before we let you go. Cause I, I I'm always, I just love talking goalies. I, I find them so fascinating, maybe because it's almost like, like voodoo of a sort. I don't know. That's what people say, right? They call it like goaltenders is like voodoo, and it's just so hard to know how they're going to go. But but you've always had your, your thumb on the pulse so well, Matty. Just like wh- what's your kind of your hope and your goal for, for the two goalies you have right now in, in Beckett Lanco and, and Evan May as we work through the back half of 2022 and get set to flip the calendar into 2023? Well, I think each, I think on day one of training camp, um, you know, we talk about winning championships and trying to 
uh, earn pro contracts. So I think from an individual standpoint, I think that's a far-sighted goal for the goalies uh, at, at some point in time is to, to earn some pro looks and try to earn a pro contract. There's obviously lots that, that goes into that, but um, like I said, just taking it, taking it day by day, making sure mindset wise that, uh, you know, we're fixated on the how to and being process driven and giving the team a chance to, to win every night. Um, I think if you, you get caught looking too far ahead, looking too far ahead is just as dangerous looking too far behind. It's really important that you, you live in the now and you live in the present. And then that's, you know, the, the focus we've taken with both of the guys. Getting set for the Moose Jaw Warriors this weekend on a home and home. Uh, what, what's uh, kind of the plan as, as a goaltender when you're game planning uh, against different teams and you have uh, an offensive, you know, juggernaut to some extent in the Warriors that, that they can roll a handful of lines at you. They can, they can send defensemen into the rush. They, there's not a whole lot that, that Moose Jaw can't do. How, uh, how as a goaltender do you prepare for nights like that? Yeah, you're absolutely right about Moose Jaw. Very, very dynamic. They've got some explosive forwards. Um, Matej Chuck is an all-world defenseman on the back end for them. Um, you know, my, my entire philosophy about goaltending is cover the most amount of space by moving the least amount. Yep. So you, have, you, you need to be patient on your feet. You need to know where all of those threats are uh, so you can start to get ahead of it a little bit in your mind. As a goaltender, if you're thinking too much about the other team, sometimes it takes away from your own game. So I think it's important that you stay true to yourself. And like I said, that, that philosophy of, of covering the most amount of space by moving the least amount, um, force them to make plays, force them to make perfect shots, and, and like always, give, give those guys a chance to win the game. 100%. Last question for you, and it dates back to when the Vancouver Giants were in town because uh, there was Samuel Honzek on that team who – just seems to have a different release from the rest of the group. No, uh, no slight to Zach Ostopchuk and, and Mazden Leslie. Like there's some great players on Vancouver, but just the release from Hanzek was one that I noticed right away. And it's just it's such a heavy shot. As a goaltender, you obviously know, you know who the guys are that can maybe rip it a little bit more. But the, the, I can't imagine that means you're playing them any different. But do you have kind of that heightened awareness? Okay, you see you see Hanzek hop over the boards, or you see Ostopchuk, or or like you mentioned, you're going to have the the nights coming up this weekend where you see Matejchuk come over the boards, Jaeger, so so on and so forth. Absolutely, you're you're going to be aware. You're going to be aware of those those dangerous guys when they're on the ice. You're going to know what hand they shoot. You're going to be aware of some tendencies. Um, player in Regina like Bedard, you you would have to do the same thing, um, you know. But at the end of the day, you have to play against the puck. If you fixate too much on one player, uh, you're going to forget about everybody else. Yeah. Well, and, and like you said, it kind of comes back to you, you can you can have the data and the info to to know what guys are going to do, but it doesn't mean that we live in the sim and that those guys are just going to keep doing the same things they always do, like the data says. you got, you got to be able to adjust. <laughs> there you go. You're, you're catching on to the method of my madness. Listen, Matt, not just a hat rack here, brother. Uh, dude, I we appreciate this so much. Thank you. It's always good to get, uh, be able to catch up with you a little bit and get to uh, to really dissect what's going on uh, from a goaltender perspective because it always is a little bit different, and, uh, and you're one of the good ones, man. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate this. My pleasure, man. We'll be in touch. This has been Tigers Uncaged with Jesse and Lance. Thanks to all of our show contributors. Thank you for your help. Be looking for a new Tigers Uncaged podcast every week during hockey season.